Good morning, everyone. It's about time to begin. I know this is a little different, and it's frustrating for everyone. It is for me. I don't like wearing the mask. I can't breathe. I can't see. I can't hear Mary tell me to clean the house up, the kitchen, or none of that stuff. But there's all kinds of seats. If you just change a little bit, it'll be all right. Right, Rut? That's right. But it's good to see everybody this morning. I'd like to take this time to welcome each and every one that's here, especially those of you that are visiting with us. It's the first time we've met all together. Five months. Yesterday, March the 15th. I remember that day. It was, it was different, and it was scary. Because <laughs> I told Gary, I said, I'd be two weeks, it'll be over, don't worry about it. We were sitting back there on Saturday, and we were thinking, man, we, but anyway, five months, this went by quick. Some people got, have been married 50 years in the last five months. I don't know who that is, but I think it was Mary. <laughs> no, but a lot of things have changed, and, and, and we're glad to be back with one service. If you can, please, there's room all through the building if you don't sit on top of each other. We do ask that you uh, please keep your mask on, stay at least six foot, and things will get better, we hope and pray. Just a few announcements. Is We Shine starting in Tuesday? Tuesday? This here says Tuesday. That's this Wednesday, correct? Okay. On your prayer list, you can pick one of these up at, at, at the back. We've got these out. We didn't put them out for a while because we didn't want everybody touching, but if you want to reach and get one of these, I'm sure the person before you only touched this one, but there's a list of people that's... Uh, Having birthdays and wedding anniversaries. Hello? Oh, that's not my phone. Good. But anyway, oh, a couple things this morning. Onan Murnihan, cancer. This is a two-year-old. Tell me about that, Jeff. Okay. So he's two years old. Who, who's his mom and dad? Murnahan. They from up Polka Dot? Okay. Keep, keep this little boy in your prayers. He's two years old. Lives out at eight. Has cancer. Keep that family in your prayers. Also, uh, Keep Sherry Ward in your prayers. She's at the ER this morning having some tests done. So I want to remember that. Is there any other announcements that need to be made? Just checking. One last thing. Uh, also, uh, last week, this week, next week, the next couple of weeks is... Uh, Kids will be leaving, going back to school. Kids will be leaving to 
go to school for the first time and it's a change. I remember when Jason, we dropped Jason off at Lipscomb. Mary and I were elderly. We were 37 years old when we dropped Jason off at Lipscomb. And she cried all the way up the road. And then when we dropped Andrea off, I cried all the way up the road. But anyway, it's a tough time. It's a good time, it's exciting, but uh, still it's a change. So keep those in, people in your prayers that their children are leaving under extraordinary different things going on. I'd like to read Matthew 6, 33 and 34 before we begin this morning. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Would you bow with me, please? Father, we are thankful for the land in which we live, for your Son who came and died for us, for the opportunity that we have to ask in prayer as we bow our heads to you. We're thankful for all the many blessings of this life that you've given us. We realize that the things that are going on in the world today are different. We have to wear masks and protection that, that none of us are comfortable with. We pray that you bless each and every one of us here this morning. That you watch over us, protect us, keep us safe. Be with those that are leaving home to go to school to further their education. Let them know that we're proud of them and, and hopefully they can finish what they start. Bless us as we go about this worship service this morning. We pray that the things we say and do will be pleasing unto you and in accordance with your will. We ask your blessings on our sick and our shut-ins and be with those that have lost loved ones. Forgive us, Father, in thy son's name we pray. And amen. For everyone, there, there are more seats up here and over here if you want to come in and grab one of those. But we glad to see everybody here this morning. Would you stand for the first song this morning, please?
<clears throat> Next hymn this morning, number 222. 222. After this hymn, Brother Jeff Floyd will have our scripture reading and prayer. Let us pray. Lord, we come to you this morning. We thank you, Lord, for all the blessings that we have. We thank you that we can come and gather together as a group once again. Lord, we pray for so many who are, who are dealing with health issues at this time. We pray for Sherry Ward. We pray that you'll be with her this morning as she goes through her test and gets good results. 
We pray for so many who are fighting cancer. Pray for Terry Leap, Dottie Hager, Rusty Leap, Kurt Maxwell, Ona Murnahan, and, and so many others, Lord, that you'll be with the doctors and nurses as they tend to them. Lord, we pray for our many shut-ins, especially this, at this time, and help them and help those who are their caregivers. Lord, at this time, we do pray for those who are going back to to college or going to college for the first time, but we also pray for those who are going back to even elementary and high school at this different time. We pray that you'll be with them and protect them and be with those who make the decisions and be with those who are uh, educators. Lord, we pray that you'll be with uh, We Shine as they uh, reopen soon. And pray that you'll be with them, all the, again, the children and all the teachers. Lord, we pray those are in the healthcare field at this time and um, what what they're dealing with. We pray that you will continue to be with uh, David and Mandy and Chris and Kelly and the work that they do. Lord, we also pray that you'll be with those who've lost loved ones. Continue to be with our elders and deacons and the decisions that they have to make at this time. Be with them and help them to make those decisions. Lord, most of all, thank you for your son who died on the cross that makes uh, makes our home in heaven possible. Be with us. Forgive us of our sins. In Christ's name we pray and amen. Our scripture reading for this morning is uh, Psalms 113, verse 1. Praise ye the Lord. Praise, O ye servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Next hymn, number 726, 726. We'll sing the first three verses. We saw thee not.
We take this time each week to remember the sacrifice of Jesus for us, to kind of put our minds in the right place this morning. I'll be reading from Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah 53 and starting with verse 3. Now while this is a prophecy, it reads like it has already happened. And that's what I do believe is so amazing about it. Isaiah 53, verse 3. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering, like one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, and who can speak of his descendants? For he was cut off from the land of the living, for the transgression of my people he was stricken. He was assigned a grave with the wicked, and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer, and though the Lord makes his life a guilt offering, he will see his offspring and prolong his days and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. And the suffering of his soul, after the suffering of his soul, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. This time, I like to think to the cross to see Jesus on it, bearing my sins, bearing your sins, and suffering that cruel death that we don't have to. This time, let's ask the blessing on the bread. Our Father in heaven, we thank you so much for your son that was willing to come to this earth and be the atonement for our sins. Lord, we thank you for his willingness to go through that pain and sorrow so that we wouldn't have to. Lord, we thank you for his body that was hung on that cross and beaten. Lord, we know that we can never repay. But Lord, we come today to remember that and to honor that. Lord, we pray that you'll bless us and bless this bread as we partake of it. For it's through Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.
this time, let's ask the blessing on the fruit of the vine. Father in heaven, Lord, again, we come before you thanking you for the life of your son that he was so willing to give for our behalf. Lord, we thank you for the blood that he was willing to shed that came from his body that was hung on the cross. Lord, we know that it washes away our sins. Lord, we thank you for this emblem that we have, this fruit of the vine that symbolizes his blood. Lord, we pray that you'll bless us and bless it as we partake of it. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. This time we normally have set aside to take up the offering because of the current situation. Uh, we won't be doing that, but there is still um, some buckets in the back that you can place your offering. Uh, we were given the example of the early church and that Paul told the church of Corinth to lay by in store, and we use that as an example, and we do so today. Uh, this goes to cover the expenses to help spread the word in the area and abroad. If you would, let's pray as we ask blessing on the offering. Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you so much for all the many wonderful blessings you've given us. Lord, we thank you for the means of livelihood we have, the means of survival, the comforts, and all the material blessings that we have. Lord, we have so much that we can never repay. Lord, we pray that you'll be with each one of us as we give today, that we'll find it in our hearts to give by a portion that is cheerful, that is that you would find an honor. Lord, we, again, thank you for your son, and we know he's the greatest blessing of all. We pray that you'll be with us and forgive us. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Let's all please stand again. We'll sing hymn number 482. 482. <clears throat> oh, listen to our wondrous story.
Good morning. If you've got your Bibles, be turning to Psalm 135. That's where we're going to spend our time this morning. Psalm 135. This is an incredibly unique psalm. Uh, it is unlike, in fact, any other psalm I've ever seen before. That's not to say there's not another one like it in psalms. I've learned a ton about psalms uh, with our study this, this season. But uh, this is the first one I've ever found that's like Psalm 135. It is a patchwork of psalms, meaning that uh, our psalmist just takes quotes from all throughout the rest of the Old Testament. And he's going to piece them together to make his own psalm. In fact, he's only got three unique thoughts, um, just one line on each, on each verse, uh, that are completely his. Every other thought comes straight from uh, one of the other Old Testament texts, many of which come from the Psalms themselves. So this psalm is unique because of that. And we kind of have to ask ourselves, why? Why did he do, why did he do it like this? Every other psalmist, every other biblical writer, at least uh, for the majority of their texts, are completely original material. Uh, so why does our psalmist just quote straight from Scripture? That is a perfect uh, question for us to contemplate this week. Uh, in fact, I printed off some questions that you may want to focus on this week as you study on your own, as you study with your family, or maybe even as you call up a friend and just study with them. Maybe some of those questions will spur you on to deeper thought, deeper study on this fantastic psalm. Uh, I've, I've been just incredibly um, impressed, very blessed to be able to, to walk through uh, what our psalmist is trying to teach us today. In addition to the, the sheet here you find with the questions on them, I also printed out to you um, the different quotes where the, uh, the psalmist is going to pull uh, his texts from here. And so you may want to download one of those. Those, those will be on our Facebook, maybe a couple other places, um, but certainly on our Facebook page. And so that's where you'll be able to find those, both the questions and the, uh, the, the quotes where, where our psalmist pulls the quotes from this morning. So let's dive into the text. Psalm 135, verse 1, he says, Praise the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Give praise, O servants of the Lord. So this psalm uh, is what's known as a psalm of praise. In fact, the next couple psalms that we study together, as we close out this series on our own psalms, uh, will be psalms of praise. We're going to end this series just like the book of Psalms ends itself, as, long, as well as each individual book of the five books that make up psalms, each end with a psalm of praise. And then the whole psalm book, it's called the Psalter. Uh, the whole the book itself ends with five psalms of praise. And so we're, we're going to end our study with three psalms of praise as we study this week with 135, next week with 148, and the following week with 150. And that'll close out August, and that'll close out also our study on this fantastic book. That's been such an encouragement to me, and I hope to you as well, during a tough time. So... This psalm, you'll see very quickly that it is a praise psalm. In fact, it is a specific type of praise psalm because if you flip over to verse 21, uh, the end of the last verse in this psalm, you'll find again uh, the words praise the Lord. And so this is one of the 10 psalms that both start and end with hallelujah. That's what some of your translations are going to say. Some may say praise the Lord like mine does here with the ESV. What's that word mean? Well, we talked about that a couple weeks ago when we walked through Psalm 106. So you may want to go back through and listen to that psalm again. I'll try to link it in the comments uh, or, or in the, on our YouTube channel. 
uh, on the end pages there for you. But uh, go back through and listen to that psalm, Psalm 106 and what we talked about there. But very quickly to review because it is important here as well. Um, this word just means to rave. Uh, it, it means to gush. Um, like you would about a beautiful woman to, to your friends. Um, like David did in front of a Philistine king to make himself appear crazy. He, he babbled, he talked out of his head, but he never stopped talking apparently. That's what this word seems to indicate that it means. It's, a, it's to rave, to gush. And so that's what our psalmist wants us to do today. He wants us to gush about what God has done in our lives and who God is. Uh, just his character is worthy of praise. These are things that we need to think through. Yeah, some very, very powerful thoughts uh, found here in this psalm, uh, this patchwork, beautiful patchwork psalm. So starts and ends with praise the Lord, hallelujah. And our psalmist is talking about raving about God. Uh, we'll talk about why he thinks we should rave about God in just a second. But what I want you to notice first is this first quotation. If, you, if you've downloaded your notes already uh, here from this thing, you'll see that, uh, that Psalm 135 verse 1 comes straight from Psalm 113 verse 1. Now, some things you need to know about this section in Psalms. Psalm 113 and 114 were sung before the Passover meal each year. And so... These psalms are incredibly well known. Uh, our psalmist would have been able to pull these, con this, these, these verses uh, just right off the top of his head. He was very familiar with these psalms as well as the rest of the Jewish nation would have been very familiar with these psalms and the context that they find themselves in. Um, and so 113 and 114 were, were sung every year before the Passover meal. Psalms 115, 116, 117, and 118 were sung right after the Passover meal. And he's going to allude to Psalm 115 as well, as well as 116 uh, in this passage. But he keeps coming back to 115. But 116 is going to be important for us in verse 2, especially when we think about what he's doing here with servants. Uh, on the screen in front of me, you, you'll see uh, the parallel versions. I've got two texts, 113 and 135. Um, both verse ones here, and you'll you'll see very readily that he, our psalmist in one thirty five, has inverted uh, these these this this middle line in one thirteen. Uh, the middle line says, "Praise, O servants of the Lord! Praise the name of the Lord." Well, our psalmist has inverted that thought, and so he says, "Praise the name of the Lord! Give praise, O servants of the Lord!" And uh, just inverting those last two lines, and so. What's he doing here? It's not not that he has gotten mixed up. It's not that he has forgotten how the psalm goes. Uh, again, he would have been very familiar with these things. These were not just read. These were memorized. Uh, and our psalmist is very familiar with, with these passages specifically. Um, and so it's not that he messed up. He's doing this intentionally. And he's doing it to draw your attention to servants the word that he inverts he wants you to think well, what about the servants well he's going to tell you what about the servants uh, in verse 2 he says who stand in the house of the lord in the courts of the house of our god so where does he pull that verse from well it's from 116 again one of these other psalms that were sung uh, right after the passover meal again a psalm that he would have been very familiar with and every jewish reader he has would have been very familiar with with uh, Psalm 116 too, and so they would have been able to jump directly into the context without going back and having to read through this psalm 
uh, Psalm 116, they would, have, they would have known exactly when he said these words, the whole psalm would have ran through their mind. It would be very much like what happens to you and I when someone sings uh, a chorus from a familiar song. Think, uh, think what it would happen if I started singing uh, the chorus, Jesus Loves Me. You would remove, remember the verses to that song, wouldn't you? Uh, that's exactly what our psalmist is doing here. And he's trying to make a point. Remember servants. That's what he wants us to focus on. And, but he's being very clever here. Uh, and so he's going to draw your attention to what he wants you to focus on by leaving it out of the text. This psalm is just, it's just incredible, incredible. Let me walk you through what's going on here. Uh, focus in on Psalm 116, verse 18. If you look down in verse 19, you'll see the quote from 135. But I want you to see what he says here in verse 18. He says, I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people, in the courts of the house of the Lord, in your midst, O Jerusalem, praise the Lord. So he comes in in 135 right in the middle of a fault, doesn't he? Right in the middle of a sentence. And so every one of his Jewish readers, their minds would have shot back to 116 and thought, why did he do that? Why didn't he jump in the middle of the context here? Because that's what a servant does. They pay their vows, verse 18. That's what they're doing in the house of the Lord, you see. They're paying their vows. They're giving God what he deserves. And so that's what our psalmist wants us to understand from 135. He says, you need to give God what he deserves. And what he deserves is our praise, is us raving about him, gushing about him to everyone we meet. We cannot say enough about who he is and what he's done in our lives. It's, it's just incredible, right? Maybe that's why this psalm. Is so incredible because the salt, the, the God that it talks about, is so incredible. Uh, and so that's the first couple of verses here and uh, in, in one and two. Look down in verse three. Turn your attention back to Psalm 135, verses three and four. And let's figure out why our psalmist uh, wants us to praise God because he's going to give us a reason. Check out what he says here in verses three through four. Praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Sing to his name, for it is pleasant. For the Lord has chosen Jacob for himself, Israel, as his own possession. Why should we praise the Lord? Lord? Well, because he's chosen us as his possession. He has adopted us into his family. If that's not something worthy of praise, I don't know what is. We, people who rebel against him constantly, uh, who, who choose ourselves over him daily. He says, you're mine. I, I've adopted you. You have an inheritance now. You're my children. I, I love you. That can only be attributed to his incredible generosity and grace. The fact that he would adopt someone who has been in constant rebellion against him is phenomenal. And that is something that's worthy of praise. That is something that we ought to rave about. It's incredible, right? What would a millionaire, what would you do if a millionaire had adopted you into his family? Uh, of course you would tell everyone you knew about him, right? Uh, his generosity, his kindness, and the fact that he's, he's, he's made you an heir to what he has. He's just been so kind to you. That's, that's, that's exactly what God has done here. But multiplied by infinity. 
Because he's not a millionaire. He's, he's rich in blessings and rich in so many other ways. That's one of the reasons why the psalmist here says that we should praise God. It's because he's adopted us. He's chosen us as his possession, but not just any old possession. It's not like a pair of shoes uh, that you weeded in uh, or like your old golf clubs, but you bought some new ones so you never use those old ones anymore. This is a treasured possession. This is something that he cherishes. He loves. He wants. He desires. That's us. You know, in First Peter, Peter would say that we're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's people. He's describing us here, and God has made us his treasured possession. Because of that, we ought to praise him with everything that we are. That's what our psalmist says here. He's also going to talk about, as you walk through the rest of this psalm, God's part versus my part. What part do I play in this relationship that I enjoy with God? Well, if you look at verses 1 and 2, and then in verse 21, you find that my role in this relationship, my, my end of the bargain in our relationship between me and God, is pretty small. Uh, you find that I should praise Him, I should rave about Him, uh, and I should serve Him. And, and that's, that's kind of it. Um, that, that's my end of the, of the deal. And now obviously there's some, some things called up in service. Uh, and me being a servant to God, obviously there's some obedience that's necessary there. Um, but the psalmist says, you praise God, you serve Him, and that's your end of the deal. And God will literally do everything else. One of the questions I've got on my sheet here for, uh, for you to contemplate uh, with your family or with your friends or by yourself uh, is, is I want you to underline uh, every time you see an obligation or, or a responsibility that is ours, something that we need to do from 135, something our psalmist says, you need to do this. Underline that. And, but then I also want you to go back through when you're done with that and circle every obligation of God, every responsibility that he has in this relationship we share together. Um, and you'll just kind of be blown away. You'll see that we praise God and we serve Him, but then God has this laundry list of things that He does for us. It's just, it's just really incredible. Look, uh, look down the next couple of verses. In uh, verse, uh, verse 5, He says, For I know that the Lord is great and that our Lord is above all gods. This is a quotation uh, that, that Jethro Moses' father-in-law in Deuteronomy 7 uh, has, but our psalmist is taking it up for himself here. The I is emphatic. He's applying this to himself. I, I know that the Lord is great. Jethro knew it, but I know it even better. I've got more experience with God. I've had, I've had uh, more uh, revelation from him. I know that the Lord is great and that our Lord is above all gods. Whatever he does, whatever the Lord pleases, he does in heaven and on earth. In the seas and all the deeps, he it is who makes the clouds rise at the end of the earth and who makes lightnings for the rain and brings forth the wind from his storehouses. Uh, this is uh, from, from Psalm 115. This is a throwback uh, to, to those uh, passages uh, in the Psalms that were read and memorized and sang before the Passover every year. And so uh, he's pointing out there... Um, God's incredible ability 
uh, creative ability to, to make and do things, how he is life, um, how, how the, this, he's got all this creative power. And whatever he does, whatever he wants to do, he does, he just does it. Now, that's interesting because he's going to draw a comparison between God and some of these false idols that, that the Egyptians had been, or that the Israelites and the Egyptians, incidentally, had been worshiping uh, for the last couple of centuries at this point. This psalm's pretty late. He's going, to, he's going to quote from Jeremiah. So at the very least, this is just years, um, maybe months before the exile. But it, it very well, very easily could be during the exile even. Jeremiah lives during the exile. So his writings could have um, been filtered down uh, and, and quoted by our psalmist here even during the exile. Which makes this psalm even more poignant, even more beautiful, even more timely for us. Uh, and so... Be aware of that. Uh, listen to what he says here in verse 8. He says, He it was who struck down the, the, fir the firstborn of Egypt, both man and beast, who in your midst, O Egypt, sent signs and wonders against Pharaoh and all of his servants, who struck down many nations and killed mighty kings. Sihon, king of the Amorites, and Og, king of Bashan, and all the kingdoms of, Ca of Canaan, and gave their land as a heritage, a heritage to his people. Now, if you start in verse uh, 8 and go through verse 9, that's a direct quote from the very next psalm, Psalm 136, uh, starting in verse uh, 10. Uh, and he's just going to quote Psalm 136, verse 10, through, uh, through verse 16. Oh. So, verse 8. Remember, I told you this psalm is complicated. You've got to pay attention. Uh, Psalm, 1, Psalm 135, verse 8, is a direct quotation from Psalm 136, verse 10. But then he's going to do something very interesting here when he says, Both of, um, both of man and of beast, who in your midst, O Egypt, sent signs and wonders against Pharaoh and all of his servants. He's just going to summarize uh, 136, verses 11 through 16. That's essentially what 136, 11 through 16 says. It talks about... Uh, what he did, what he did in Egypt, but here our psalmist is not so much concerned with the the um, the details of what he did in Egypt. He just wants you to get the big picture. He thinks you ought to praise, ought to in fact be raving about God with everything you've got in your entire being. And so he just summarizes what he says here in, in uh, 136 verses 11 through 16 because he doesn't want you to miss the point. Um, so just a quick summary there. But then he jumps back into the text, uh, starting in verse 10. Um, he starts back into 136, verses 17 through 22, and quotes this block, starting in verse 10. Uh, and it's just really a, 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 an incredible thing that he's doing here. Um, the interesting thing here is, and all the kingdoms of Canaan is the only part in verse 11, is the only part... That was added by our psalmist. All this other, all these other things, are completely quoted, uh, straight quotes from from Psalm one thirty six. And so, uh, keep going. Let's move down uh, to verse thirteen. He says, "Your name, O Lord, endures forever. Your renown, your renown, O Lord, throughout all ages." That's taken from Moses uh, from Moses's conversation with God in Exodus chapter three. Um, when, when Moses said, well, who should I say sends me? 
Everybody knows about this God. His name endures forever. Well, why does his name endure forever? Because his people won't stop talking about him. They won't st we won't stop raving about him. Verse 14, he says, For the Lord will vindicate his people and have compassion on his servants. The idols of the nations are silver and gold. The work of human hands, they do not. They have mouths, but they don't speak. They have eyes, but they don't see. They have ears, but they don't hear. Nor is there any breath in their mouths. Those who make them become like them. Now, this is another quote straight from Psalm 115, verses 4 through 6 and verse 8. Now, what's interesting about this psalm is our psalmist skips over verse 7. So, kind of like, well, why does he do that? Psalm 115, uh, verse 7 is not even found here. It's not quoted. It's not part of the quote. He just cuts it out. And I think he does that so that he can insert this, this little tidbit here. His own original thought is, nor is there any breath in their mouths. Now, if you mark in your Bibles or if you've got this little sheet of paper that I, that I gave you, you might want to draw a line or brackets or something to connect um, Psalm 135, verse 15 through 18 to Psalm 135, uh, starting in verse... Six and going through uh, verse 7. Because he's going to do something, again, that's very clever here. He's going to talk about making and doing uh, in, in 6 and 7. Uh, and then again in uh, 15 through 18. God makes and does whatever he pleases. The idols can't do or make anything. They have mouths, but they can't talk. They have ears, but they can't hear. Uh, they have eyes, but they don't see. And this is a thought that Jeremiah and Isaiah uh, would, would come back to with these idols. Uh, and they picture someone, uh, an Israelite, going out to the forest, and you're going to chop down a tree. And then you're going to carve it up. You're going to give it eyes. You're going to give it a mouth. You're going to give it ears. And you're going to sit down, and you're going to worship that thing. And then the rest of the tree you're going to use for firewood. And Isaiah and Jeremiah are going to kind of be like, what are you doing? That's crazy. That they can't do anything. This idol has no power. Our psalmist is coming back to that thought here. He says, you serve, you ought to serve the one who makes, the one who does, the one who breathes, who's creative, who alone has the life-giving force. But instead, you're exchanging that God for these totem poles who don't do anything. They have no creative power. And so maybe you, maybe you want to go back through and, and color in. Um, where it says make and do. But also, if you're coloring in or emphasizing parts of this psalm, emphasize verse 7, where he says, and brings forth the wind from his storehouses. That word wind is a really big word in Hebrew. It's ruach. You kind of got to do a little guttural sound in your, in your mouth to get it across. Ruach. Um, but it means wind or spirit or breath, and it is the creative life force. Uh, and so he, he's kind of being clever again here um, where, where he says, you know, God brings the wind from his storehouses. He's got the creative power. He's got the, um, the life-giving force. But then here in verse 17, he says, neither is the ruach in their mouths. These things don't breathe. Not only do they not breathe, they don't have the power to make you breathe. They don't have life-giving force. They don't have life-giving power. There's no creativity there. 
like when I say creativity, I'm talking like creativity like God creating the world. There's no creative force, no life-giving power there. But there is in God. So he says, why would he exchange God for these things? That doesn't make any sense. And, and so those who make these gods become like them. So do all who trust in them. Verse 19 says, O house of Israel, bless the Lord. O house of Aaron, bless the Lord. O house of Levi, bless the Lord. You who fear the Lord, bless the Lord. Bless the Lord from Zion. He who dwells in Jerusalem, praise the Lord. Now, this is, again, from Psalm 115. He's going to quote kind of extensively from Psalm 136 and from Psalm 115. I don't know why he picks these two psalms, um, but, but he does. Uh, and he has mashed these two along with so many other passages in the Old Testament together to prove this point. You do your part. Praise and serve him. And God will do literally everything else. You don't have to worry about saving yourself. You don't have to worry about being good enough. You don't have to worry about all these things. God's going to take care of all those things. You do your part. You serve and you praise Him. He does everything else. And this is yet another reason why we ought to praise Him. Because of how He holds us up. Because of how He, he enables us. Um, he, is, he is our strength. Listen to what He says here. Uh, in these last couple of verses, um, in verse 20, he inserts uh, another phrase, his own unique thought from, uh, from Psalm 115, verses 9 through 11. It doesn't have, O house of Levi, bless the Lord. I don't know why he includes Levi, so maybe you want to include that on your list of questions. You can get back to me next week, but uh, that, that's an interesting tidbit too. But what we really want to focus on is verse 21. Psalm 135, verse 21 he is rewording uh, the last little bit uh, there in verse 11 from Psalm 115. He's rewording uh, that thought. Um, and I think he's trying to get, get a point across to us. Uh, let's read it. Psalm 135 verse 21. He says, Blessed be the Lord from Zion. He who dwells in Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. Who is being enriched in Psalm 135 verse 21 versus who is being enriched by, uh, by who in Psalm 115 verse 11? Check out, check out 115 verse 11. He says, you who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. And he, he keeps on coming back to that thought. If you look up in, in verse 9. And of 115, he says, O Israel, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. You who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. You kind of get the point across when you start reading through Psalm 115. And, and you hear this thought coming over and over and over again. Where he says, He is their help and their shield. God is the one who's doing the enriching from Psalm 115. He is blessing us. He is doing for us. He is our help and our shield. Now, take that thought back over with you to Psalm 135 and look again at verse 21 and ask yourself the question, who is doing the enriching? Who's doing the blessing in Psalm 135 verse 21? We are. Blessed be the, be the Lord from Zion, he who dwells in Jerusalem. Again, there's this thought. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Uh, and so, 
he is flipping the thought in 115. He's using it, but he's going to flip it on its head and says, our, our part is to praise God. It's, it's another reminder. Uh, while it's true, he believes, this psalmist believes 100% that God enriches us, that he blesses us. But he uses it here to prove at the beginning and at the end here that our part is to praise the Lord. And so this morning, maybe your mind has been all about you, all, all about um, anxiety maybe. Uh, this is a weird season that we're in, uh, and maybe maybe it's gotten to you a little bit, and uh, you've not been holding up your end of the bargain to praise and to serve. You've not been trusting in God to do everything else. Today's the moment when you can make that change. You can make the change right now. Uh, you can be baptized into Christ, having your sins washed away, uh, and get into this relationship with him where he adopts you into his family and gives you an inheritance that only happens through the powers of baptism. Maybe you've already made that decision this morning. You just need the prayers of this congregation to be who, you would, who God wants you to be, to be who this psalmist uh, outlines for us, a, a, a person who is pleasing to the Lord. Why don't you let us know if you have any that we can help with.